What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Keep It Posy podcast. My name is Jasmine, and this is episode 78. As always, there are a lot of crazy things going on, and I just hope that you're being nice to yourself and that you're taking care of yourself and just doing the best that you can. With the help of this week's guest, we're going to learn about this week's nonprofit organization featured in the Posse Spotlight. Save the Music Foundation is a nonprofit organization with a mission to help students, schools, and communities reach their full potential through the power of making music. As one of the leading music foundations in the United States, Save the Music Foundation supports partner communities by donating instruments and music technology, providing support services for teachers, and advocating for music education. To learn more or make a donation to Save the Music Foundation, you can visit savethemusic.org. This week's episode features Sarah Kano. Sarah and I worked together in radio for almost a year and a half when we were at KLOS. Sarah currently works at Live Nation and has been an employee there for almost two years. In this conversation, we talked about her job, how she started playing music at a young age, Hilary Duff, the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, and more. This one was a blast. Here's my conversation with Sarah on the Keep It Posy podcast. Hello. Hello. Hi. What's going on? I was just wrapping up a piece of pizza that I was eating. <laughs> Sick, dude. Um, were you, know, you eating right know. now? I'm sorry. No, no. I had actually eaten earlier, but my dad brought a pizza last minute. And oh, he was sick. all like, you want a slice of pizza? And I was like, I can't pass up on pizza. <laughs> what kind of pizza? From where? Uh, a Little Caesars. I, everyone always makes fun of me because I'm like, Little Caesars is like the best pizza. And I'm like, well, it's just, it's cheap $5 pizza. So what else do you expect? Especially when you're craving a pizza, you'll just take it. <laughs> yeah, dude, is it still $5? Because I, I saw something about how they said that it was going to go up like a buck or something. Yeah, I think it's at five ninety nine now or something like that. Hi, Jasmine. <laughs> I was Hello, like, Sarah. I came like straight in like talking about pizza. <laughs> oh, dude, it's all good. Sometimes I leave the banter in there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, pizza's cool. So what's going on? How are you? It's been a while. No pun it's intended. Been, it's been a while. <laughs> it's It's been like a month. But yeah, nothing much has really happened. I mean, work. A lot of work, thankfully. Like, I was scared with the new variant, the new COVID variant. I was so worried that everything was just going to pause at some point. But mm -hmm. thankfully, it's been busy. It calmed down after the new year. But at the end of last year, it was, like, so busy. Like, it was my first year working in the industry. Like, like really involved in the industry. Not like we were before in radio where it's always busy nonstop. 
with this company, it was more like it picked up at a certain point and it was just like too busy, like to the point where they were like, oh, we need to rehire more people. Like since they had done such a big furlough previously, they had to like hire so many. It was crazy. But yeah, it felt so good. And then it felt good to be needed because like given that it was like a whole year and a half of furlough, like there's a whole period where you're like, oh my gosh, what if my job never comes back and I am not needed right now? But yeah, it made me feel good. <laughs> Sick, dude. Well, I'm glad you're busy. You know, we're still in the middle of everything and, and um, not sure what's, what's out there for the next month. Yeah, it's been weird because I've been watching, like, monitoring a lot of social campaigns and everything, and you can see, like, the activity going down sometimes, and it's, like, a little terrifying because you see, like, all the sales going down, and you're like, what's going to happen? Like, you guys have been busy, but for those that don't know who you are, you currently work at Live Nation. What do you do at Live Nation? So at Live Nation, I was previously working in radio with you. <laughs> and in radio, basically, we were dealing with the, we were the interaction between the fan and the promoter. So they would send us tickets to do all of the giveaways, and we would be that person between them. With my current position, now I am acting as the person between the promoter and the fan again. But now we are more of the marketplace. So anytime you go on the Ticketmaster website and you purchase a ticket, basically we handle all of those products that help the, the venue get their events in front of the fans. So the first thing that we obviously operate is our marketplace, which you get to see every time you go on the website to do a purchase. But then also they want us to do sales or we're the marketers. So what we're essentially doing is marketing our product to our venues and any clients that Ticketmaster has, which usually that can vary to, from venues to arts and theaters to the NFL to the NHL and ven yeah, venues promoters and then artists. So we have all of these different clients coming in and basically asking us what kind of services can you provide and how can you help us better sell our tickets to the fans and get our tickets in front of the fans and make sure that the fans are aware so basically any emails that you receive from Ticketmaster such as those that have like the code like passcodes on them it's probably one of us who has been sending those out so it's really cool because you get to see it from a whole new perspective which this isn't a job that I would have ever even thought existed. I would have thought everything was automated. But for our position, we're basically selling those products to the promoters and to the venues and to the NFL and to the arts and theaters and all these Broadway shows and basically getting their shows in front of the fans and helping them sell their tickets. So you're going to get us tickets to all the shows we want to go to, right? <laughs> Yeah. Huh. I wish oh my god the amount of times I have seen an email come through and then people are like oh if you want to stop by our show you should totally stop by like from a venue and I'm just like I don't live in New York 
like I really wish I could go see the show like there was a Disney on ice show and they were like yeah thank you so much like come stop by our show I was like first of all I don't know if I can accept that but <laughs> but second of all like I don't live out there so thank you for the offer but that's so cool like just to know that I'm on all of these venues and promoters good side which it's really funny because you feel satisfied at the end of the day and you're like wow like I was actually a part in that then you see the show slowly playing off and you're like that's even cooler like the fact that I saw the show start from the announcement I helped them send out an email for the announcement I saw them send out the email where they needed to probably promote a discount to help get those tickets push those tickets out and then at the end I got to see it finally play off and I saw it all sell out so yeah, it's definitely something that you don't imagine happening. You're aware that it's happening, but you would think that it's always the promoter coming up with the ways to like sell those tickets, but they do come to us as well. And since they're our clients, they're the ones asking us like, how would you suggest we do it? And what's your best suggestion? And we also do media buying for them. So obviously any like ads that you see on Ticketmaster's social pages or any like any ads that you see coming up on your social media and it says Ticketmaster, like it's coming from our pages. Basically, that's through us probably if it's paid media. And then we also do SEM, which is um, anything search engine marketing. So whenever you search for a show and you see those paid ads come up at the top with Ticketmaster, that's through our department as well, as well as programmatic. So when you're on Google, and then you happen to just see an ad come up, like any creative come up for a show, we're probably buying those ad spots as well. But yeah, for my specific position, I'm not the one buying them, but I'm more of the person in between where I'm helping them come up with their budget, all of the, all of the promoters, and then I help them decide how much budget to put into each. That's sick, dude. Your your situation is kind of unique because you were starting off your job and then the thing happened. Like a lot of we don't people speak of the thing. <laughs> the thing that shall not be named. Like a lot someone. of people, uh, you were furloughed. Is that correct? I was furloughed. So I had just gotten hired at Ticketmaster on March in March of 2020. And then I was furloughed at the beginning of May 2020. So I was working there for about a month and a half. So I had learned so much and yet I didn't really fully know what my job was. So I was still on furlough and I was like, are they really going to keep me? Like how needed is my job? Like throughout that whole year and a half, I was worried because I was like, is this a necessary job? Like I didn't even know what I was going to be doing. And then I got called back in july of 2021 so yeah or it was like a year and two months but yeah we kept hearing dates for return and it kept seeming like it even might push off into 2022 so the fact that they called me back in july i was like i'm ready like just show me what my real job is because i literally had no idea what i was going to be doing for a job and you see other jobs coming up and you apply for them but at the same time, you're like, these people believed in me enough, so I really want to go back to this job. Plus, if they call me back, like, they probably 
know that I would be a good fit for this job since they hired me in the first place and I'm still on furlough. If they didn't need me anymore, they would have let me go on the spot. So I was willing to be patient. It was, it was a little weird. It was a little scary because it was like my first big people job, my first full-time job. And then before that, at the radio station, it was like part-time and I had to balance that out with another job. But with this job, it was like, no, drop everything. You're going to be working at a big promotions company, a big ticketing company, Ticketmaster. I mean, live music, it, it affected all the angles, right? You had, you know, of course, people in your shoes, radio, production, yep. uh, the creatives that were doing the graphic design for the ad mats or the merchandise, yep. the photographers, the videographers, the you sound people. You don't realize people. it. Like how many people, people go into these things? And like, of course the bands. <laughs> of course the band. It's it's really terrifying because you start to look at it and you're like, how many people are we going to lose to this? Like this is a lot of people's primary income. So you start to look into it and you're like, oh my gosh, like somebody out there is just going to settle and go for the first job they see, like go get some regular job and then all the bands are going to lose like all of the up and coming bands that were that literally they depend on this for a living and they're just doing this just to entertain everybody which they're obviously not doing it to make a big name of themselves but they're doing it because they actually enjoy it which was really scary because even everybody working behind the scenes like we had the crew nation which was one of the charities that live nation helped develop as soon as they heard about the pandemic and they were trying to help all of the crews who they knew would eventually get laid off too if they didn't have income coming in. Everyone was on unemployment. It was like terrifying because you'd hear like the unemployment getting extended and you were like, okay, like we don't want money. We want our jobs back, which is just, it was, it was really depressing. And then you try to listen to music and it's not the same because you're like, oh, usually I listen to music with this intent of going to a concert, but I don't know when concerts are going to come back. So I don't even, it was even hard just to hear any new albums. I mean, I can't think of one album that really captured my attention last year that I was like, I can't wait to see that live because I just think my mindset was just somewhere else where it was like, okay, I need to learn how to enjoy an album at home, like, which was never the way I ever heard an album. It was always about enjoying it with the crowd. Which now looking back at it, it's like, whoa, how did I do that? Because I've been to like a few concerts since, since October. And I was like, okay, no, I remember what it's like to be in a crowd and I never want to listen to music alone anymore. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's, um, it's crazy, right? <laughs> Dude, when I was at my first show back, I'm just yeah. like, yeah. This Did you go is through it. a period? Did you go through a period during the break too, where, like, I don't know, it was just such a weird feeling, like where you were like, if this never comes back, what would I do with my life? Like, I couldn't think of one other job that I would ever go for because I didn't go into music to make money 
I went into music because I was like, I truly enjoy music. I want to do it for the artist. I want to do it for the fan. It was always for somebody else. And then like, just for that to happen, it was like, oh, what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> yeah, dude, no, for sure. It was hard. Um, and I think that's why so many people during that time period started all these creative projects just to get their mind off whatever negative things yep. they were dealing with and all that. Mm -hmm. People started a new band or people started taking online classes to learn how to design stuff or pod they started podcasts. They started a oh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what is the Keep It Posy podcast? I know when I saw you were going to do a podcast, I was like, wow, that's actually, it takes so much to get up and do something like that. Because even when I was on furlough, I was like, what is the one thing that I could find that would actually entertain me as much as concerts? Like, because when you work in the industry, like that literally becomes your life. Like every weekend you're at a show, you're doing something. So I was like, what am I going to do? So there was even like a few weekends where I would turn on concerts on the big screen and just blast music and watch it. And then I started to teach myself how to cook and stuff like that. <laughs> because I was like, that's the one thing I could do in front of the TV. Like I could be watching a concert and actually doing something productive. So I learned how to cook. I learned how to crochet. I was sewing. I would even lock myself in my room, listen to albums, and then I'd be like playing the piano. So yeah, either way, music will still find a way in your life. But it was just the strangest year. I'm just glad we made it out of it. And then this last, I think October, November, I started to feel like, okay, I can see how we can make this work. Like I can see how we can make the mask wearing work and all the vaccinations work and everything like that because obviously there was a period where it was like will that even work and it had been working for the longest time but you know what's happening now <laughs> it's been working so far of course like right now as we're having this conversation some tours have gotten postponed some shows got canceled you know maybe like local bands um, at least I've seen that on my feed where local bands were like, hey, we're not playing the show anymore. Um, we yep. might reschedule or, you know, whatever the situation is. It's working. Like, it's been bumpy. Yeah. I just hope that we don't have to cancel because none of the bands are allowed to break up, okay? <laughs> yep. Yes. <Please> don't. <laughs> exactly. And then, like, like, Obviously, post-Christmas and post-holidays, you can kind of expect that surge. So it's not something that was completely unexpected where it's like, oh my God, this new variant comes out and everybody's going to get taken down by it. Like the hospitalization numbers are down and we're seeing events still being planned for the summer. Events are still being planned for the fall. It's just obviously at the beginning of the year, it's still going to be a little bumpy because everyone went to their family parties, which it's like, I even isolated. I didn't really do any family stuff over the holidays, but I knew that that was going to happen. So I didn't really go out for even two weeks after Christmas because I was like, okay, 
that's like the incubation period most people will know within the next two weeks. So maybe this weekend I'll go out, but still keeping an eye on the numbers. <laughs> yeah, dude, on Christmas Eve, I was knocked out before midnight. That's the thing, though. Like, my last show was December 10th okay. of, of last year, and I haven't gone to my first show this year yet. I was <laughs> going to, but that got... But I ended up I ended up choosing to not go because again, yeah, dude. So they did still have it. What one the one I would have I would have gone to the okay. So in a nutshell, the first one I was gonna go to this year got canceled. The second one I would have gone to still happened, uh, but I I chose to not go. Um, but as as right. of now, my first show isn't gonna be till February. So, you talked about what you do in your job, but how did Sarah get introduced to music, and how did she get all the way to where she's at now in her journey? Oh, flashback time. <laughs> well, let me think. I mean, my whole life has obviously been music. My dad worked at Ticketmaster before me. So I grew up there. He was working my entire life, actually, from the moment I was born. And he was there all the way until last year, until all of the furloughs and everything. But yeah, he raised me and introduced me to like a lot of internal people at Ticketmaster. So it just always felt like family and it never felt unachievable to eventually work there. But I never wanted to work in music until even after college because I think I always saw it like it was just something easy like a lot of people see music and they're like oh it's so difficult to get in like it's going to take a lot and for me it was like oh okay well that that music will always be there like it was always just like I'll just see it as it will always be there and then it wasn't until I actually wanted to get into music that I was like oh my god this will actually be tough like it's not always about who you know it's always about like the experience you have but thankfully, I was always invo involved in marching band. I was always involved in like music appreciation and stuff like that. And a lot of my friends were musicians. So that was, I think, when I realized like music was constantly coming up in my life. Like, first of all, marching band. I was in band for like eight, ten years. Yeah, from fifth grade until graduation, seven years, eight years, something like that. And then um, when I graduated, I went to college and I originally wanted to study entrepreneurship. So I wanted to own my own business. I wanted to study fashion because I was like, oh, fashion design, like I'm good at sewing and I like to be creative with stuff and I wanted to own my own place and sell my own clothes. But then I realized that a lot of that was like, hiring other people to do it which for me I was like no I would want to be the one doing everything like I'm far too much in control and I like to be in control of situations which was when I realized okay I need to have like that talent and also do something where I can let somebody else be the talent so with music I started realizing like oh there's always people more talented than me in music like I can always help manage them 
I had studied management courses and everything. So eventually I was like, I think I want to do artist management. But then you start seeing about that too and how like aggressive that side of the industry is. So I was like, okay, now I have to really figure out what I want. I wanted to go into an agency. I saw how that would be too. It was really tough. But I, um, I had done an internship with Live Nation right after college. So I have that background. And then after college, I also worked at a music studio for about a year. So I've been able to see the music industry from different perspectives. And I think my struggle was always figuring out like, well, where am I going to end up? And wherever I end up, I want to stay for a long time. So there was Live Nation. There was the music studio. There was the radio station, which I loved because radio people are just like me, like they're music fans. But obviously, it's an industry where you really need to like love that job so much because that one is never about the money. Radio is always about the music. It's always about the fans. So I was always like terrified to get stuck in that because I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to really like make this commitment forever? So then that's when I decided to apply for Ticketmaster, which I didn't even have to name drop my dad. I literally just had to interview and just tell them about what I did in radio, which I loved radio because it was a great stepping stone. It taught me so much and introduced me to so many people in the industry. So I didn't feel intimidated by people anymore. I still felt comfortable around radio people, around promoters, around all these people that I would have seen the titles before and I would have been like, there's no way I'm gonna talk to a director. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, but a director is just a normal person. So I think it really helped me feel comfortable enough to grow. And then now when I got my job at Ticketmaster, I can talk to a director casually. I can talk to a manager casually because I know that everyone is just a normal person and you shouldn't really feel intimidated by stuff. You can talk to clients casually because they're people too. So I'm really thankful for, for a radio because I think that one's the one that made me feel comfortable enough to talk to everybody. To quote A.C. Slater, we all put on pants on one leg at a time or something like that. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And, you, and if you're a big Saved by the Bell fan, then you probably know what episode that is. I'll give you some time to think about it before I drop it. <laughs> it was the episode when they do the weed commercial, the anti-drug commercial with Johnny Dakota and everybody is freaking out. Oh my God, Johnny Dakota's here at Bayside. And then that's when AC Slater says that. We all put our pants on one leg at a time. <laughs> yes, but we put on our shirts like all limbs at a time. <laughs> we got this. <laughs> All right, so if, since you work at Ticketmaster, make sure to let me know when Zach Attack reunites. 
and then you know Zach, okay Zach. Um, <laughs> i'm gonna have like i'm gonna go into the office one day and everyone's gonna be like so what's the artist that like you're constantly being asked to go see Zach attack <laughs> oh god yeah there's i don't know like there's so many bands that i see come up to like when i'm working at the at Ticketmaster now and i'm like who is that? And then I listen to one of their songs and I'm like, how did I never hear of this artist before? Like, just because there's literally artists that are just playing locally in other, in other cities too, that we're helping promote like for little local shows. And I'm like, how has this artist never toured in our area, like small little rock bands and stuff. And it sucks because I just wish there was some way for us to even know about local bands just all over the country because there's so many good little local bands that I was following local bands before even working in like radio at the music studio and everywhere. And now looking back on it, it's like, Oh my gosh, like, did I sell out? <laughs> like I'm working with all these huge artists and then I see like these little artists come up and I'm like, Oh my gosh like I really want to get back into the local band scene too I don't think it's selling out the way I see it is you're trying to learn the big monster what's the big monster about and then you're just like well there's two things one it's like what can I do here and how can I leave an impact because a lot of times younger people especially minorities or um, people that are just not happy with the way the corporate world is. They're just like, dude, I want to go in the system and change the system, right? Yeah. It's not just in music. It's like in different parts, in different fields. Um, I mean, we could go on a rant. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I've thought about this. You know, I've thought about that. But it's learning the it's it's about that, but then it's also about like what can I use from my day job mm-hmm. to apply it to my hobby? Yep. And I think that's how a lot of people that work their day job that may be in a band or maybe they run a, a, a zine or they do a podcast or maybe they're they book shows for their friends bands or whatever they're like oh okay maybe i could start doing this outside with the hobbies i have yeah and that no lie that's what i was thinking initially when i started in the industry like i was like i'm gonna learn everything and take it to a local level and then you get into it and it's like it's so much and you're like oh my gosh it really takes like a lot of effort to remember why you even went into the industry in the first place but yeah I think you definitely have your your mind like you you've always had your mind in a good place where I know that you always come up with these creative ideas to help people locally which is why I was like, oh my gosh, like Jasmine's podcast. I love Jasmine's podcast. And I was like, I just wanted to like, yeah, like it's just, it really, I appreciate it so much. And I think nobody appreciates it enough without what people do for local artists, because it does take a lot of effort and you do put a lot of time into it and it does have to be a passion 
which is just awesome because because for me it's like I came into it thinking oh this is like my passion and then by the time I get out of work I'm like wow like that would be like starting a whole other job at the end of the day which I'm like oh my gosh how am I gonna do that right now (laughs) yeah dude well first I appreciate that um the other thing is I think that's why a lot of people are like all right dude because because it could be it could get hectic and that's one of the reasons why I cut the podcast to just every other week because I was starting to do all these other things for the website portion of it and I'm like dude I need to get some decent sleep like yep I'm like sleeping seven hours now and let me tell you I feel so much better Uh, plus it makes your content that much more valuable I guess like when it does come out it's like you know that you were able to put in all of that time into it Everyone who's involved in it knows that you are actually investing two weeks now in between every single podcast to actually think about them. So that that's awesome, too. I mean, sometimes it feels like you want to do it every week and you're like, I'd be able to help out more bands and I'd be able to do this for more people. But then sometimes even stopping and thinking like, oh, well, even though I do it for less people it's still going to benefit people and it'll be healthier for everyone overall, which I think it's, we're really hard on ourselves in the industry because we move so fast and there's so many projects that we're just expected to have done all the time. And like, we're always on these set deadlines and it's like, as soon as we have our own deadlines, like we want to put those deadlines on ourselves too, which That's, I think, why I struggle to start something outside of work, just because I know that I'd be tough on myself. So that's good for you, honestly, that you were able to, like, space it out a little bit more because, yeah, that takes a lot of discipline to do it. Dude, uh, and I don't know if I'll leave this part or if I'll edit it out. And I'll say this freely, though. Yeah. Because I would put out an episode every Wednesday. Dude, I would record the intro and the ending like at one in the morning that Wednesday and put it together and knock out like at two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, only to wake up three hours later to start my day for work. Um, That is one reason why I that is one reason why I appreciate that we're still working remotely. Yeah. Because, you know, but. Mm-hmm. But yeah, dude, no, um, whatever it is, I tell people, just do it. Don't think yep. about it. Just do it. Schedule your days out and say yep. on this, on this day of the week is when I'm going to focus on this. That's literally yep. how I had to start doing this. Once I wrapped up the podcast for last year, I'm like, this is my schedule and this is how I'm going to focus on things because I mean, yep. You know how I am. I'm busy all the time. Um, <laughs> You're like, if I don't have a project every day, I'm bored. <laughs> Dude, you should see my schedule. Um, I know. I was going to say, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Mentally, in, I think in all industries, it's hard. But honestly, in the music industry, like even talking, speaking to other people who work for Ticketmaster right now, like sometimes I hop on a call with them. And they're like, yeah, like, there's other jobs that are more stressful than ours. 
I mean, they're like, I'm not going to make our job seem like the most stressful job in the world. They're like, but yeah, you do need to take time for yourself too. You need to think about what's best for you. I, I was considering like, I I'm always looking or other jobs are always coming up on my LinkedIn and stuff. And I'm always looking at them and I'm always tempted to apply just because I'm like, I want to challenge myself more, but I don't think I've ever been at a job longer than two years which is just crazy to think about. But I think that's just how our generation is now where we, we like to challenge ourselves. And if we ever feel like something becomes too repetitive, we want something new, which for me, it was weird to want to apply for something this year and then to stop myself and be like, no, don't like sabotage yourself. Just because you're doing well at something doesn't mean you need to feel like any pressure in any way to learn something new like you can be good at something and just be good at something like you don't have to push yourself to go to a new job every two years you don't have to push yourself to be learning something new every day you can just be good at what you're doing and like become an expert at it which I had literally never done that before like even at the radio station I was getting comfortable But right at that moment when I was getting comfortable, I was like, I think it's time to learn something new, which sometimes you have to like stop and just take a moment and actually look at where you're at and be like, you know what? I think this is enough. Like this might just be where I'm going to stay for a long time. And now I'm starting to understand people who stay at a company for like eight to 10 years. And I'm just like, how do you do that? But now I'm starting to see it and understand what they feel And I was like, I don't think I ever thought I'd feel that, especially in this industry. A lot of times, too, it all depends on who your team is and how how well you guys work together. Um, So, yeah, that's part of it. Um, Yeah, which I was going to say, even I think a lot of bands go through that, right? Like I was going to say, I feel like that's why there's a lot of lineup changes and stuff like that because people just sometimes feel like oh this is getting old but sometimes the best work comes from doing stuff with people that you're comfortable with and it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be challenged all the time because literally like the Beatles didn't start releasing their good stuff until like halfway through their careers and right when they were about to fall apart they were still pushing through it and doing stuff So, yeah, sometimes doing stuff where you feel comfortable will sometimes push you out of your comfort zone, too. So it's not always about making yourself uncomfortable. Sometimes it's about being comfortable enough to push yourself and do something. Yeah, dude. Um, No, I feel that. So you talk about marching band. I know that you play guitar and piano. What did you play in the marching band? Marching band. I was a clarinet player. I was a clarinet player and I played it all eight years. And then I also attempted flute for like a summer because they gave us the opportunity to learn a different instrument. I also bought a violin at one point because I wanted to learn violin. I couldn't do it (laughs) because it's like completely different, a string instrument from everything. Um, 
I wanted to learn trumpet, but my brother plays trumpet. And the moment he started teaching me, I was just like, this does not make any sense whatsoever. Like you see three keys and you're like, oh my God, that looks so easy. And then you pick it up and you're like, that's way more thinking because now I have to pay attention to my embouchure and make sure it's all good. So yeah, it was, I think it really helped contribute to everything just because I started, I know a lot of musicians just in general, I feel like I started to feel comfortable around musicians and I started helping out one of my friends with even promoting her band when she was starting out. So I helped her promote her band and get into like, like with some PR and everything and get her into some magazines. So I helped her with one, one project and she was going to be releasing a new album. So that's, I think, where it started to make sense that it was like, wow, I can actually make money promoting something. So it, it was like mind blowing. It was just like, can I really combine something that I love and literally help my friends with it? Dude, that's sick. And I know you're a flute player, so I'm one of your <laughs> woodwinds. <laughs> yeah, dude. Let's start a let's start a Pokemon. Um <laughs> or when I learn how to play cello, we could start a vitamin string quartet cover quartet. No. <laughs> Whatever, that doesn't make sense. You play the instruments that you play. You've attempted other instruments. But was the clarinet the first instrument you learned how to play? Song flute might have been the first one. <laughs> Everybody picks up that song flute in school. But yeah, clarinet honestly was my, my cousin played it and my aunt played it. So everything I feel in, li in my life has like somewhat been decided in a weird way. Like it's weird how you don't realize how things influence you. But yeah, both of them had played it. I obviously saw them playing it my entire life too. So I just, I just felt like naturally that would be my instrument. And I was kind of forced into band because I didn't, I, I like wanted to do something after school, like after school activities and stuff like that, because my parents were always the kind of people who would want me to like stay busy. But I think I was like, I don't know. I think I had so many interests that it was hard to like just do band. I would want to always be learning like how to draw or I would always like, I don't know, just so many little interests. And then um, when I was in band, I guess I kind of felt tied down, like because you have to be sitting there all the time and watching the conductor all the time. And I wasn't really like ADD or anything like that, but I just feel like. I just started feeling like it wasn't me at some point and I had to constantly being like be like putting effort into being a part of marching band or being a part of band but then like after looking back on it it was like oh no like that really influenced like who I became in the long term and now I'm like okay if, if anything I probably should have just learned more instruments when I was there like I probably should have gone to a piano at some point or maybe I should have picked up the guitar earlier. So now I see, like, I always feel like when parents try to push their kids to do something, they're less likely to do it and less likely to learn it. 
but somehow I ended up wanting to push myself more into music after being pushed into music. So I don't know. I really appreciate it now. Looking back, I'm like, well, thanks, guys, for making me stay in band all this time. But I don't know what else I would have done, honestly. After school, I mean, I was also doing sports, and I was like, I had no coordination. And then, like, I also got hit in the shoulder one time with a baseball. So, yeah, definitely no coordination and very clumsy. And I would play with a bunch of guys. So it just wasn't fun. I was like, I think that's why naturally I didn't like sports after. Just because it was like, no, I'm definitely a band geek. <laughs> and I'll admit it now. <laughs> what was the first album that you ever bought? Oh, no. <laughs> you were going to ask that? It was actually Britney Spears. <laughs> it was Britney Spears, the One More Time album. I think it's called One More Time, the one with the pink cover. And yeah, she's like kneeling on the front. And it was like from 19, probably 99, 98. And I remember I got like my first CD player. And yeah. And then for Christmas, my parents bought me that album. And I think my dad played it more than I did. <laughs> because he's a big Britney Spears fan. and. Yeah, Britney Spears, but that was the first album that someone else bought for me, like, when I was probably, like, five years old or so. The first album I bought for myself was um, probably Adele 20, was it the 21 one or the 19 one? I forgot which one it was, but it was, like, the first one that I got a gift card and I was like, I need to buy something. So I went to the store and I was like, okay, which album is worth investing into? And it was Adele, which even looking back at it now, I'm like, am I? I'm not the biggest Adele fan anymore. But like, it just shows what that era was like. I was hip with the young people. And now I'm into all this classic rock. <laughs> 19 was released in 2008. So you were a teenager when that album was released. Mm-hmm. Got yeah. it. Yeah. I literally, I don't think I ever really bought music. Like I said before, like I wasn't really a big music person. Like I had gone to so many concerts, done so many things, but everything was always stuff where people knew I was into a certain type of music, so they'd buy me the CDs. But once I discovered YouTube, which YouTube came out around that time or a little bit before I was constantly on YouTube, just listening to music. So I think I was part of that generation where you didn't really own an album. You were kind of always streaming albums. And then I was always, yeah, finding anything that I could find just online. And then when I finally got to the point where I needed to buy an album, it was probably that Adele album. What was your first concert? Oh, my first concert was probably the same first concert that a lot of people my age had. Uh, it was probably like Hillary Duff. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say One Direction. No, no, I'm not that young, Jasmine. <laughs> I'm young, but like, come on. <laughs> I'm better than that. It's Hillary Duff. 
<laughs> I was probably like, I think, because that was probably the first concert I wanted to go to. I mean, the first concert that I can remember going to that I was just young and probably my parents dragged me to it was probably like Huey Lewis and the News, which shows like some of my background, like they would always bring me to stuff like that. Or like, I remember I saw Barry Manilow as a kid. I saw Josh Groban as a kid. So those were all like pretty old things that I know at some point I went to them before Hillary Duff, but Hillary Duff was the first one that I got the tickets for Christmas. And I was all like, oh my God, like what even is a concert? Like I remember going to it and I had my little poster but I forgot what it said on it, but it was like basically like a high Hillary type of a thing. And I'm like sitting there in a crowd, like just hoping she'll see me. And like the same jacket that I wore to that concert, I still have and I still fit in it. So it's like hilarious because now when I wear that jacket or I see that jacket, like I get flashbacks to my Hillary Duff concert. So maybe that's like why my inner fan is always alive because I still wear that jacket. <laughs> Dude, Hillary Duff has some bangers. She does. Was it during the like the me Metamorphosis era? Mm-hmm. Yep. That was like, that was like, I don't want to call it rock, but it was like probably my introduction into rock because she had like real guitar solos in there. Real guitar solos, guitar riffs, and like. So yesterday. <laughs> Dude, good song. Bangers. Where was that show? It was at a venue that doesn't exist anymore. It was at the... Gibson? Gibson. Yes. R.I.P. I loved that venue. Yeah, and the big guitar on the outside, too. It was so cool. And, yeah, they don't even have the Hard Rock Cafe anymore at Universal. At the Downtown Walk. Everything at Universal is, like, so not music oriented anymore like i remember i used to go there as a kid and i'd go into hard rock i think it was hard rock and then i'd go in there and i'd look at like all the merch that they had there and i would always like take a picture in front of the guitar and stuff like that and yeah there's nothing there anymore and then they got rid of the gibson amphitheater so yeah but i love the size of that amphitheater and the one amphitheater that's comparable to it now that I heard somebody compare to it is the uh, YouTube theater now at SoFi Stadium. I went into it and I literally heard somebody mention it at the same time when they were walking in and they were all like, this reminds me of the Gibson. And I got like really big flashbacks to like the Gibson amphitheater. So yeah, if you miss that experience, that's probably the best place to go. Damn, dude, Hillary Duff, that's awesome. Do you remember who opened up for her? I don't. Honestly, no. Because I think I was just so overwhelmed. I think it was like my first concert. I mean, I did see Hillary Duff a second time at the Grove, and that was probably like in 2000. I'd say it's probably like 2011. It was like a little bit after, well, when I was older. Yeah, because I probably saw her the first time in 2004. So I probably saw her in 2010, 2011 time. And her opening act then was the Click Five. 
I don't know if you ever heard the Click Five, but they got some hits. And then that started getting me into boy bands. And that was like a whole other dangerous direction where I was like, mm, should I go into that? I mean, I'm not a big boy band listener. Like I knew about NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and all of that growing up. But then I was like, I never associated it with being boy band. But then, but then I think it wasn't until I saw the Click Five that I was like, oh, I get the idea of boy bands. <laughs> and then the Jonas Brothers came. <laughs> Damn, dude, that is so cool, dude. You know, yeah, Hillary Duff had some bangers, or has some bangers. You know, I know you talked about how like you weren't sure about pursuing a career in music and all of that but when did you decide i'm just gonna go for it and see where it takes me yeah it's a good question i'm still wondering no <laughs> no i um let me think because obviously for me music always meant performing like because when I was in band, it always meant like getting up in front of a crowd and then like being comfortable enough to play solos and actually like stand up in front of people and doing that stuff. And there was a certain point where music just started feeling too like, like there's just too much pressure because everyone's watching you. So I was like, I'm not usually the kind of person that gets stage fright and stuff like that. But there was a certain point where I was like, uh, I don't really like being in front of people anymore. So that's when I was like, I think that's why I didn't join band in college because it started to feel like, oh, I'm going to have to stand up in front of people and like actually perform. And that's just not what I want to do with my life. So then I literally forgot about music all throughout college until I had to take a class. I was required to take a class in rock history or like just some sort of art related class. So I decided to do art, a rock history because I knew that I would probably naturally know a lot of these things just growing up with music. And then um, after taking that class, I was like, I'm too good at this. Like, I know way too much history on just random music facts. Like, you could play me the start of any song from, like, the 50s and 60s, and I'll probably, like, know the name of it. I'll know the artist. I'll know around what year it came out and I was just like these are like things that nobody cares about so like why would I ever need to know it but then when I was in that music class like they would have like spots on the test where they would start to play the start of a song and you had to write down who sang the song and who the artist or who the artist was and what the name of the song was and I only missed one question in that entire class so that was when I realized oh my god this is something I'm good at and I don't even have to think about it. Like, it's just something that I enjoy. I enjoy reading about music. And yeah, I think it was after that that I was like, I'm already taking business courses in college. So why not try to change over to a program where they could teach me about entertainment? So there was an entertainment management course. I decided to go into that. I even stayed in school an extra semester just because I wanted to get an extra degree. So I don't only have my entrepreneurship degree. 
but I have an entertainment and tourism management degree, which means that they taught me like about how the whole industry functions for both movies and for music and for hospitality, like hotels, which I, I never would have wanted to do. But then after seeing like how many people went off to Disneyland too, I was like Fullerton was a Disneyland school. So naturally a lot of people would take their knowledge and go to Disneyland. But for me, it was like, okay, I know I'm good at music and I know I'm doing well in school. So I guess I should take my business degree and my music and figure out how to do something with that. But it, it honestly, I never thought I could make money doing it. <laughs> like even to this day, sometimes I'm in shock and I'm like, whoa, like you don't have to be on stage all the time to be getting the attention and especially to be speaking to like tour managers or to be speaking to like venue owners, to speak to so many people in so many different parties and you don't necessarily have to be the person on stage. And then you see all the people who put so much work into it too that you didn't even think about those jobs existing when you were even first starting out. Like I didn't even think about everybody behind the scenes. And then sometimes you stand there and you look at them and you're like, whoa, like what did you have to study to get here? But some people, they just get lucky and it's who you know. So yeah, I think that's been the weirdest part about doing music is that you just learn that there's so many people with different backgrounds. And I probably didn't even have to go to school for it, but I enjoyed going to school for it because that showed me that it was what I wanted to do. At the beginning, you were like, mm, let me think about this. <laughs> um, dude, that is so cool, man. Uh, you went to Fullerton? I went to Fullerton, Cal State Fullerton. Oh, for some reason, I thought you went to Cal Poly Pomona. I live closer to Pomona. <laughs> oh, okay. That would have saved me a drive. <laughs> um, wow, dude, sick. So, wow, that's awesome, dude. What is your favorite thing about music? Oh, no. <laughs> it's the almost famous question. Why would you throw that in there, Jasmine? Oh, my God, dude. I forgot about that. First of all, everything. <laughs> I just have to go in there. No, honestly, uh, I mean, because you, you didn't give me enough time to think about the last one, and I just jumped into that one. Let me actually think about this one. <laughs> My favorite thing about music is that. By the way, those questions he asked, yeah. sick. <laughs> I literally, I've watched that movie so many times and I've never thought about how to answer those questions because he has like such good questions. What I love about music is that everybody everybody has their own taste in music and it allows you to be who you are and you don't really notice it like it's just naturally a part of who you are because like a lot of people can try to fake something like fake being a fan of something 
but the real experience you get from music is when you're actually enjoying music, which means that it has to be a part of who you are. And basically, you have to feel it. And I just love how it brings everybody together because of that feeling. Like you could go to a concert and not know what the person next to you is feeling, but you can just live in that moment because it's just a part of who you are. And you don't necessarily have to think about what music means to you because it just like basically runs in your blood. Yeah. And it could get so much deeper than that. But I'm not going to go there because <laughs> this could get psychological. I've had psychological discussions with family members like, why do you think that I spend so much time at concerts? Because <laughs> it makes me happy. Yeah, genuine happiness. Like just the fact that you can just go mindless for a second. And not have to worry about anything and still feel like yourself. Like, because so many times in life we get overwhelmed by just the simplest things. And the fact that when you're listening to music, you can just let everything go and just become who you are. And you don't have to try to impress anybody when you're listening to music. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. And, <laughs> and if Cheryl Crow is listening, you're all invited to do. be on the pod. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. See? And all we want to do is have some fun. <laughs> yeah, dude. Sick. It's the identity for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people end up making a living with it. Uh, depending on on what part of it they mm -hmm. they they um, work with, it's a part of our lives because that's how people end up meeting their best friend, or they they end up meeting their partner who they end up marrying, yep. or you know their families. Maybe their mom or dad was a musician and. And it's hilarious yeah. because, like, working in the industry too, you see people who are like like suit and tie and they look so like dressed up like the people behind the scenes like working at live nation like you see some people really dressed nice and then you start talking to them about their music taste and you start learning like oh we have way more in common than i thought like it could be the weirdest thing but everybody's a fan like that's the greatest thing about music too is that everyone's a fan everyone will have that one artist That'll just make them excited and make them want to make them want to get up and listen to that artist or go to that show. So that's why I think Live Nation, it's always like surprised me, but they're all, their motto is always like, we're the fans. Like the shows are basically being put on by the fans. And I've always felt that working there because I just feel like naturally my first conversations with people is usually like, oh, what's your music taste? Like, what do you listen to? And when I can talk to somebody in a suit about, like, just random artists, like, even if they're older, 
and they're like they can start talking to me about like the Rolling Stones like a time when they like got to go to a Stones concert and it's just so mind-blowing because you're like wow like I would have thought I had nothing in common with you but we could literally be sitting at a Stones concert right next to each other like at any time since you mentioned them and I I wasn't sure if I was gonna do this but I'm gonna have to <laughs> the ultimate yeah. question and if anybody wants to debate with me offline that's cool uh -oh. or not even a debate because I don't <laughs> think I have an opinion stones or Beatles <laughs> yeah see anytime I get that question I create like a whole other conversation out of it it like <laughs> It ends up becoming like, okay, so are we talking about longevity? Longevity, because obviously the stones are still around. However, if we were to talk about creativity, I would have to go with the Beatles. But then I've had these arguments with my dad where he's like, but then who's the ultimate rock group? And then I'm like, well, maybe I'd say the stones. But then also we'd have to look, like there's just way too many things to look at. like. When people say Beatles versus Stones, it's not as simple as saying one or the other. It's usually like, well, in what sense? <laughs> so I guess the answer is we won't get an answer on that. <laughs> we won't get an answer on that. Huh. Because I can, I'm a diehard Beatles fan. Like, the Beatles were probably also the other reason that I will actively read a book about a musician. Like, I've never been that kind of a person before the Beatles. Like, my first book that I probably read all the way through was a biography about John Lennon. And I was like, that is just so weird. Like, I, I was in school all these years, and I don't think I ever finished a book once. But when I read that book, I was, like, so invested in it. So I'm diehard Beatles. But the Stones did introduce me to, like, a whole other idea of what rock could be. Then they start introducing you to like the Who and Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. And it's like, it's too hard of a conversation. <laughs> Dang. That's well, the one question I couldn't answer today. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, there it is, people. How do you keep a posse? By being friends with Jasmine. <laughs> that is a lie no jasmine has seen me not posy there have been times where i'm like oh man <laughs> no but to keep it posy let's think i mean you're alive so why not keep it posy because you're always gonna have tough days and things are always going to get weird and hard. But as long as in the end you're like, well, I'm still here today. I'm here another day. You can take a deep breath and look around and think about what you've been blessed with. Because sometimes it's the little things that are blessings, like just waking up every day, just having food every day, just being able to go to work every day as much as I didn't like going to work before after being furloughed for a while. You kind of start to realize like, oh, even having a job is like a great thing. So I think as long as you look at everything as 
like sometimes you won't have this so appreciate while you have it and just taking in every moment and to quote the stones you can't always get what you want but mm -hmm. but if you try sometimes you get what you need sometimes <laughs> you weren't there yay yeah, dude sometimes you don't get what you need but when you do get what you need you got what you need <laughs> dang um dude thanks for being on, on the podcast man do you, have, do you have any last words anything you want to let the people know anything you want to tell the world Hmm. I want to let the people know that it is an honor <laughs> being able to work in an industry that brings events to people. Like sometimes, sometimes you feel like something's literally just exhausting and just work. And I want everyone to know that no matter how hard you feel you're working sometimes and if you feel underappreciated, that, that you are appreciated. And that even if it's something as little as leaving your house every day to go to work, or if you're actually doing something to enjoy yourself, like going to an event, somebody out there is going to appreciate you like the artist seeing you out there in the crowd so make sure you're having a good time <laughs> and yeah just make sure you're living your life to the fullest because last year really made everyone stop and kind of realize that you can't take any days for granted so just have fun yay So that was my conversation with Sarah. I had such a blast getting to learn something about a friend. There was a lot about her that I didn't know before. I want to thank Sarah again for being a guest on the podcast. And as always, you can hit me up via email or social media. Keepitposy.com for all the contact info. Thank you again to everyone for listening to another episode of the Keep It Posy podcast. Please take care of yourself and watch out for each other. Stay posy always. And remember, life is like a mosh pit. If you see someone fall, you gotta help that person get back up.